0: and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping, MidwayUSA.com. Shut up and sit down.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicle podcast. John and I are here for episode number 25. 25 episodes, John. That's like over a day and a half worth of us rambling on, just just talking. That's crazy. Well, well it's crazy. mainly you talking. I'm yeah. just... John, I'm, I John, sit over here quietly. John has one total podcast of audio on this whole thing. <laughs> I've got 30 hours. So... Um, basically what we're going to go through today I contacted John and I'm like hey what's up on this week and he's like it's got to be my bow it's got (laughs) to be my bow that's that's where all his focus was so so what's up with your bow John well it's
2: completely rebuilt now so I finally (laughs) got the strings and the cables built which it took me a little bit I mean a few few uh mess ups here and there but
1: how do you mess up a string three times in a row?
2: Well, it wasn't, I, the first time I completely screwed it up, yeah, that was, this, then the second time I built it, I it was the that little loop string, and so I was trying to get the diameter, like, perfect. And so, I ended up coming back with the, uh, I think, what was it, 22 strands. First one I did was 24 strands, way too big, so then I went with 22, and then I I just went with it, built it, and I started serving it, and it was like, shit, still well, too first, big. the
1: first one you built was 12 strands.
2: No, 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 this, <laughs> I'm talking, I'm talking the little loop. This yeah. was the very first thing I built, <laughs> so I'll get to the the other one. So, the little loop on the bottom cam uh, ended up, so what I did then after I, the second one, I just started cutting strands and then serving it so i used it kind of as a little test you know like a dummy and then that way i had i could tell okay with 20 strands it was you know point whatever 1.2 millimeters or whatever my calipers are millimeter they're metric so they're not standard so but anyway end up i got it basically like a little jig set up so now i can measure you know, like, okay that i know how how big it is or the diameter is with each strand count. And then with, with a certain, I'm using uh, 0.14 halo as the end serving. So I got that all set up. So then I go to do the, uh, it's basically the split bus that attaches to that part.
1: And you, you have to build it in half, basically. So so it's for the regular guy, it's the string that goes just over and through that little piece of plastic.
2: That's actually aluminum, but yeah. Okay. It comes off the bottom cam. There's the small loop, goes up to the little ferrule-like, and then the split bus comes down and then goes through that. Well, so the way you build that one is it's, I think it was 20, it's like 24 and 3 quarters, so then you end up building it. You know, you double it, add a little extra, and that was the other thing too is just trying to get the the exact length is is pretty technical actually I mean so I was trying different size I was using my uh, uh, deep well sockets and I was miking those like all right, this is the exact same you know diameter as that little ferrule so then I'd slip that over my uh, spindle on the jig and then I'd stretch it measure it put a couple more twists because I was thinking the way you build this one you have to twist it when it's full length and then double it over and serve the, do the center serving on it. So there's no more, you can't adjust the links once you've served it. You're not supposed to put any more twists in it. So, so
1: for, for people who, uh, cause I, I know, you know, when like say my dad listens to this and he's like, <laughs> you guys are way too technical. And I'm like, Hey man, i that's not me that's not my thing i'm not too technical but so when you're getting that length generally there's a kind of an area that you need to be in here to there and then you can actually twist it right so to to get it where you need to be
2: i think i've said it before i have a spreadsheet that was put out by uh, baker archery products bap who makes jigs and all that and you actually go to their website and you can download it for free you put it in your cart anyway so on that spreadsheet, you go in there and you put uh, your length of the string length or your cable length or split bus, any of those. Matter of fact, it's still probably up right now because I'm building uh, Jim's string. So, hey, Jim, how you doing? And uh, so you just – I put in the length in there, and then I think I have it set for like 0.67 uh, twists per inch. And so then it tells me – for my two-post setup, like, what the overall length has to be set for that, and then how many twists to add to it to get it to your, you know, approximate length. And it's, you know, it depends on how much you stretch it and everything else. But, so anyway, I had to do some playing around with that split bus cable on the RX1 because of the big loop in it, and... Finally, oh so the first time I did it, I ended up doing a full string basically. I, instead of just doing the twelve, or instead of doing six, I did twelve, which is twenty-four. So that's a full that's a full-size, you know, string. Because then when you doubled over, now you got twenty-four. Now, yeah, it's crazy, huge. So, I I got it all done. I folded over. I started serving. I'm like, son of a bitch, this thing's huge. It wouldn't even fit through the cable, the roller guard, even if I did finish
1: it. So,
2: yeah.
1: And for, I was just, and for John to be in the way that he is, like I was just thinking back to the, the when we had Chris on here with the Total Archery Challenge, and he was getting ready to, to ground tune his bow real quick. I can't <laughs> imagine what was going on in the garage when John was actually realizing what well, he that, did. Because uh, on, uh, on one of those, I mean, you had the whole thing completely served, and it's... Basically, all servings. So the right. amount of time that went into, to actually wrapping that. Yeah, that was the amount of
2: material. Right, that was the one that was like, I because I had to do the end servings. You know, I did the end servings and finished those loops up, and I was started doing that center serving on it. And that's when I realized, like, son of a bitch, this thing's super fat. <laughs> and I mic'd it, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's double. So so I just took it off and threw it in the corner.
1: But it's all built. So the other day I posted on the Insta story how you had I mean it, the bow just looked absolutely destroyed. Yeah. Um,
2: it, it's kind of intimidating when you pull a brand new bow apart and kind got, of
1: intimidating. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't don't please don't tell me how much that bow costs. I don't even I mean I can look it up, but I don't want to know. And then to see it there, just laying in a bunch of pieces, and then say, "Well, you know, I'll just—I it needs a green string, so we're, <laughs> I'm going to build one, and then I'm just going to take it apart, and I'm so I'm that confident I'm going to put it back together, and yeah. for for no other reason than making it eighty pounds is cheaper than building arrows. Yeah,
2: well, <laughs> it was for me anyway. I mean, the, only because I've you know. I have a pretty decent uh, connection, so. But anyway, yeah, I ended up. The arrows are going to cost about 180 bucks to build, and a set of limbs, uh, depending on you know what your what your dealer's going to charge you to get them. I think they're about you know maybe two two fifty if you're going to go and you know pay the retail price for them. But I got them for much less than that. So
1: so when I posted that story um you weren't actually done it was all back together but it wasn't quite quite ready yeah because of that the the picture of that new puppy right the
2: new pain in the ass puppy (laughs) no i had i had left like i headed towards i headed to the to the club at like 10 o'clock figuring you know i put the puppy in his kennel he's good and you know, my wife had to get up early, and go to work. So I'm like, I'm just gonna cruise off, get this bow built, get it all tuned, and then, yep, you know, about 12:30, my wife is texting me, "Are you coming home?" <laughs> this puppy is up. I'm like, oh shit. Well, at that point, I hadn't, I didn't get it all put that put back together because I had to pull, you know, like I said, I'd pulled all apart. Well, first I put the new limbs on with the old string. That way, I knew, you know. I wasn't doing all of that at once cuz then it would, you would be a, it would be a mess. And so I pulled it all apart, put the new limbs on with the old string and cable system. Made sure that tune, you know, everything was right back where it was. And it actually it was off a little bit. And, so but, you
1: put it back together and then shot it, tuned yeah. it?
2: No, I I marked my cams. I did all my measurements. I measured my brace height, axle to axle, all all those measurements. Tore it apart, put the new limbs on it, and then I noticed that my bottom cams, my bottom cam was a little bit off. So I don't know if it was just the way those, the new, the 80-pound limbs held the system. Or maybe it could have, I was very careful on, when I took, cause I had to pull off all those cams, the cables and stuff. So, and I put those through a clip. So it may have, twi- like, I may have lost a couple twists on one of the cables. Just, I mean, I was trying to be super, uh, safe on, on not losing twists, but it, I'm, I might've, so, but I knew it was, you know, I knew my marks, my bottom cam was, the mark was off by probably two twists. So I knew I was safe. So yeah, I got it back together, shot it a few times with the old string, you know, made sure everything was good to go. And then, then I started replacing them one at a time. So I replaced the, the split bus with the little ferrule, the, the bottom loop. I did that one first, then made my adjustments. That's, and then I got the, uh, the regular single cable, got that on, and then that's when I ended up getting that cam timed back in to my other marks.
1: Now, to you, is that just common sense, or did that, like, because I think when if I were to do it, which I would, I don't think I would, ever would unless I had somebody standing over there saying, Uh, "Do you really want to do that? <laughs> Are you sure that's the next step?" Because, I mean, I would think like. To put everything back on, n- not necessarily stepwise, but now that you're saying it like that, I think for for someone who is you know, got a new cable, I got a bow press. This is how I'm going to do it. Just do it all at once.
2: You mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, some people might do it like that. I just, for my for my personal preference, I know it, it, it's easier in the long run because I know my cams are. You know, before I took the bow apart. I knew my my tune and my cams are marked, everything was measured. So if I take one cable off and I know that measurements off I look, I get it all out, I pull it back a few times, I might shoot it a couple times just to settle it in a little bit. Well then if I look and those marks are are dead on, I'm good to go to the next one. Now if they're off, I know it's that cable or that component that has changed it, and I can adjust it back to that with that one part. Now if I took all of it off and put it back together and the cables, you know, it's everything's out of whack. It's like, well, where do I start? Because I did all of it at once. So for me it's easier to do one part at a time. So I did the I did that split bus first, and then I did the single cable for or second. And that at that point I got I knew I had to put a few twists in the single to get that bottom cam back into time. So then those were back right back at my marks. And then I went and put the
1: string on. And so we had a had a question on Instagram directed directly to you about the the let off and how do you tell that and everything. So like so when you bought that bow, you bought that bow at eighty percent. Eighty five. Eighty five. And then you Factor. had to have it changed or
2: no, the factory, the RX one. It's hard, you know. It's hard to figure it out. Like, I don't really like if you go to Hoyt's website. It doesn't really say it on their spec sheet. But if you search, uh, like the the string specs, which normally I haven't been able to find it for my other bows, but for this RX one, they actually have uh, a PDF file where it come out came out and it had actual like a blueprint of the string maybe because it's, you know, the new split system and it it even described like how to uh, go about building it, which was great (laughs) (laughs) if you follow it, but no. So then it actually on that sheet and then on the other tune charts too, they do like, you can go back and look up older bows and stuff. And it does tell it on the, on the tune charts, that it'll tell you what it comes out factory with the let off. It'll tell the cam number, the draw length, and all that. So for each bow, you can go back and look. At, I've looked back as far as, I mean, I think 08 on w- one of the bows. But I think there might even be more. But on that, it tells the, the let off. And then, so the, the RX-1 is comes factory with 85% let off with a module's Seventy-five and eighty. So yeah, the the question was about going down. Is it available to go to eighty percent, or did it come eighty percent? So it comes eighty-five, but you can order modules for eighty percent and seventy-five percent let off, which then will you'll be legal in Montana and Colorado, which are eighty percent max.
1: And Idaho is eighty-five or eighty.
2: I don't. You know what? I'm pretty sure it's they don't have a limit. They I do mean, have a limit
1: but it's it's high it's either 80 or 85 well hopefully
2: it's 85 because my boat is at 85 but actually mitch when i i called him to see if he could get the the modules he ordered them right then i'm like ah i didn't need them i was just you know wanting to know if you could get them you know and that's
1: mitch at
2: mitch at uh it's johnson's great outdoors in montague and so That's, that's where you get all your stuff yeah that's the pro shop that i get he's got a great selection if he doesn't have it in stock he'll like I said I just called him and asked him about you know because sometimes sometimes like I had actually asked because I was like I want 75 pound limbs and I you know heard on other podcasts you know or those are custom shop builds where a custom shop can order 75 pound limbs but a standard shop it's just they have to stick with the 70 and 80 or whatever it is but so I wasn't sure if He would be able to get the those mods, but he can.
1: And so you, yours is all set up now, and you did not build this eighty pound bow because you want to shoot through elephants. No, I, (laughs) (laughs) I was, you
2: know, I I probably could have got away with (coughs) keeping the seventy pound limbs and my two sixty shaft arrows. But they're a little bit, the tune, I didn't do a ton of tuning on it. Anyway, I didn't do a ton of tuning. I, you know, did my paper tune, did a little bit of bare shaft tuning. And my 260 arrows did not tune as well as my 300s. But I had already ordered the 260s before I did that. I order, I had my 260 arrows beforehand and just planned on building those for this bow and then when I got it I ended up you know shooting those 260s and I was tuning them like and I had some of my 300s left over in my quiver when I was there and I just couldn't get that it's a little bit of a left here a little bit of a left here so I shot my 300s through it and bullet hole bullet hole bullet hole I'm like well it's kind of telling me that my shaft is a little bit, it's a little too stiff, maybe, for the 70, which that's the problem with with my arrow length, my draw weight, my draw length. I'm, like, if you go to the chart, Easton chart, it says right in there, 300 or 260. So, I'm, well, I wanted to be on the safe side because we went, I end up building these with the 50 grain brass. If I would have went with the 75 grain brass, it definitely probably it definitely would have broke it down a little bit more. It probably would have I could have had that tune better. But for going out west, shooting fixed blade broadheads, I didn't want that much FOC. I wanted to keep it like 50 grain 50 grains brass and 100 grain fixed blade. And then that way it's not steering so much on the front end. I'm using four four. Four-fletch on the back.
1: And so uh, I, I, this is kind of like a loaded question because I already know the the answer, I guess the answer that I'm looking for. But um, to a regular guy who's maybe not into all the tuning and all that stuff, like what you just said from the arrow chart where it says that, because you had an experience with a pro shop where they told you, this arrow will be fine, oh, yeah. and and so so what does that mean when you're? I mean, so if you're an off-the-shelf guy or a, a not a shoot a hundred arrows a day guy, you're not shooting them through paper necessarily. But how does that translate to every like practicality versus because like shoot, your accuracy or well, you, like, uh, just just being practical because sh- shooting through paper is one thing, but if you're, if you're shooting, again, that pie plate accuracy or, or, or whatever, where that's, wh- where does that, Im- where is that important?
2: Well, for like us, like when you could get away with it. I mean, actually like with, uh, even some of the target shooters and stuff, they, they don't, they won't, I mean, they'll, they will paper tune, which they actually call like, uh, it's like macro, You know tuning and then they'll do bear shaft tuning which is like their micro tune and they might get their bear shaft to hit perfect with their fletched arrows and then go back and shoot a paper and it might have a funny rip but those that bear shaft is flying and landing exactly so that's like the best tune for the bow but now you put a broadhead on the front of that and now you got some kick and so that arrow might be planing off. And especially if we're going you know, when we're shooting, we've been shooting long distance all summer long. We shot all the way out to 127 yards at the electric chain. Not that we're ever going to shoot anything like that at an animal, but like today I'm out shooting. I didn't even, I practiced that, started out at 50 yards, going out 60. I want my bow to be as accurate as possible. So, when I tune my bow and tune that shaft, especially for the fixed blade, I want it to have the best flight, you know, arrow flight possible. Now, having the correct spine is going to be, that's like the most important thing. I mean, if you're too stiff, it's not going to flex right. It's going to kick out and you're going to get some funny, you know, fishtailing. Same thing if it's too, if it's too limber or limp or whatever, it's it's going to flex too much and then
1: the fletchings aren't going to be able to bring it back. Right. It's It's not 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 going to be able to recover.
2: Exactly. And then, then you go and put, you know, and that's with a a field tip. So then you go and put a fixed blade broadhead, three blades or four blades, or even, you know, two blade. It's, that's like adding wing tips, you know, another wing up front. So then it's, you know, you're pretty much, you're out of the game at that point. Now, Twenty yards, you might not notice it much. You can tune your bow, or you can sight your bow in for that. Your uh, field tips aren't going to be close. You know, I mean, you're going to have you're going to have to change your sight. You know, left, right, up, down, whatever. re-sight it in from the field tips to the broadheads. But that's what we're trying to. No, no, broadhead is going to fly exactly like a field tip. I don't care what they say. It might be close. And, you know, like these. Mechanical ads are pretty close, but there's always there's still some wind, you know, there's some resistance on that tip. And they're longer, they're they got different aerodynamics, all that. So tuning it, getting that best aero flight, that's I feel like we owe it to the animal we're going out there. Now, depending on most I guess you'd have to have confidence in your pro shop or your archery shop and your local. You know, in your town, and yeah, I've I've went to one. I won't say which one it is. It it wasn't Mitch, but I was building. You know, had it had I not known, you know, how do I put this? If if I didn't know what I know, then I'd go into the shop and the guy would just sell me what he had because he didn't have any two. I asked, I'm like, you guys had any two sixty shafts? No, and he asked me what I was doing. Well, I was building. I was building uh, my turkey arrows, and I was going to shoot one of the big um, three-blade, you know.
1: Magnus or whatever. Yeah, the Magnus bullhead.
2: And I'm like, I need the stiffest shaft possible because I am shooting a full-length arrow. You know, I got my, my bow is at 70 pounds, which technically it's way too, too heavy. You should crank it down. 60 pounds is more than enough.
1: Yeah, you said those were flying great with Jet's bow. Yeah,
2: they flew great out of Jet's bow because he was only at 50 pounds. So, you know, for 70, for my bow, I'm like, I want the stiff, I need that stiff shaft and all that, this will be fine. This is how I do it, you know. Well, it's because he didn't have them in stock. So, and I didn't put, I didn't put, I just did the regular aluminum inserts and I didn't put any extra heavy weight up front. And they, they flew like crap on my boy. And I even turned it down a little bit. I'm like, you know what, I ended up breaking, I broke the second shot, broke the head, broke one of the blades off, then I grabbed the second one out, first shot with that, bent the blades on it, because it was just too much, you know, for them, and they were supposed to be lifetime warranty, but I didn't even, I just, they're in the drawer, I about cut my finger on them again today, but <laughs> But yeah, so that was the the shaft, now like, here I go again, John Dudley just come out with his knock on arrows and his he's actually got he set up an arrow chart and it it's specifically for like the Eastern axis or the uh, Eastern full metal jacket and he has uh, 50 grain brass or 75 grain brass and so it's all set up you just look at your draw weight you know my bow right now 80 pounds so I go in 80 pounds I know my arrow is 29 and 3 eighths so I'm gonna go from I'm gonna go between I'm gonna look at the twenty nine inch and the thirty inch. And then I'm gonna look at the poundage and and then like right now it's saying two sixty or three hundred. Well the eighty pound is two sixty. The seventy pound was two sixty or three hundred, same thing. So I'm like, well, two sixty I'm
1: I'm right there. Now I know what um I mean because I follow him and I Take note at anything that he says, uh, because I 100% respect his opinion, and I really appreciate like the thought that goes into the, like even the way that he's doing this with the arrows. Um, but what you just said about the 260 or 300, even on his chart, mm-hmm. do you think that there are guys that are just they just say, "Well, John Dudley said," so I. Buy this, or and I would think that this is the more the case, but the guys that are following along with him and doing his stuff are actually doing all the tuning and everything on their own and saying, I'm gonna get these ones, I fall on that, and they're gonna make the distinction because I believe with those arrow kits they're coming with both they're coming with like the break offs, right? So it's 50 or 75. So then, then you can, you can tune it to your bow. Right. Specifically. So that, the, the the only problem with these arrows, it's like when you,
2: the Easton axis, like the ones I have are not the, they're not the knock on ones. They're just the standard Easton axis, but they're the same exact arrows. They just didn't come with all the, the goodies that he sends with his kit. So, like I ordered my arrows, then and they come with just the uh, the aluminum insert, and so then I ordered the brass inserts, which come seventy five grain with the option you break you can break the little nipple off the back, and then it that creates it into uh, a fifty grain. The the only problem with this design with this the the HIT the hidden insert is that once you glue it in, I. I haven't been successful at removing them without messing up the arrow and I've used I just use the regular Easton epoxy that comes with it so maybe if I use something different but I don't want to be pulling out tips or you know having them spin either so so that that's where like my 300s I built I built those with 75 grains brass up front but I'm shooting the mechanicals I'm shooting the the tri So I wasn't, you know, a little bit more forward weight, but it's not getting steered as much as the fixed blade. So. And those flew great. Even in, And then I built the, I had some of those in three-fletch. I had some of those in four-fletch with the, the AE Max Stealth. And then I also had, then I built the, the six-fletch with the little AE. Oh, I can't remember which ones. Those are like the PM 2.0s. So, just the little, like, target fletch was six, and that's what I shot at the Total change ch- Challenge. And those flew great until, you know. Until you shoot them in the dirt. Until you shoot them in the dirt, and they penetrate, you know, foot, foot in, and you can't find them. But I guess the key there is don't shoot them in the dirt. <laughs> but, so, yeah, that's the, just, Easton has, like, if you look in Lancaster's catalog they have you know easton charts they have uh black eagle black eagle charts they have carbon express charts go by that i mean some i mean they're all they're all pretty technical like you measure your arrow like this and then you can and then even someone will tell you like okay if, if you have like 125 grain tip well then you know well that's 25 okay i'm gonna shoot 100 grain tip but I want to go with like fifty grains brass. Well, like the standard aluminum uh, insert, I think is what are they like fourteen, maybe they're twenty. I'll quick measure when I got a packet of them right here. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so these are so, these are my. Uh,
1: so in in my in my lifetime, up until I met met John, I think, and started, I guess, kind of seeing the way that these guys were building arrows like regularly. Um, it was always go in, maybe have them specifically cut you some arrows and they'll glue them in right there. And then I guess that's not true. Cause I had a buddy that had a bow press, worked at a bow shop for a long time shop for Hoyt, um, for a little bit. So I'd go over there and we'd drink a few beers and spin some broadheads and cook up some, uh, some arrows on the stove, you know, with the, with the fletch tight and then right. and, and twist them and see, you know, index the, the fixed blades back when I was shooting the, the thunderheads. But, but beyond that, it was, you know, once mechanicals came around and it was the, it was the norm, you just, for me, it was off the rack. These ones will shoot. And- okay. Yeah. So the,
2: the uh, standard aluminum. Um, Easton's, the HITs, are 16.5 grains. And then this is the aluminum uh, that comes with the outlaws, your Black Eagle outlaws, and that one's 15.2. So, and you're shooting 50-grain brass, and I'm shooting the 50-grain brass, so
1: a little bit extra. Yeah, so, I mean, John just gets this wild hair like "Ah, i'd rather i I built enough arrows i got a thousand dollars worth of arrows laying around i i don't i'm i'm finished with uh building arrows i'd like to i'd like to try rebuilding this brand new bow (laughs) so well that's the thing it's like you know i've
2: it's a whole new concept with the that new uh little split cable system on the bottom and i'm like well I've rebuilt my other bow, tore that part, you know, freaking blew it up and rebuilt it again. And, you know, that was, that was the draw board's fault. I'm going to blame it on that. But, so now I've the I built my own drawboard. Don't, I'm not using that. Matter of fact, it's gone. There was a <laughs> draw board at the club that I shouldn't have been using, but it was the only thing I had. So I did it and yeah, it cost me a new brand new string and cable system I built and Couple spacers, but
1: everything else was fine. On after, but it, it's it's funny because you, I mean, you are building um, Jim a string right now, and so that's for the halon. And it's a halon 32, 34. It's a
2: it's a halon six. Oh, okay. 30 inches axle. Actually. Okay, so actually, it's
1: well. Here's all the, but e- either way, the all the halon strings are going to be the same. Yes. And, uh, he he said he was talking to you about it and and when i came over here the other day to get uh something for the site that i need to set up um you know you were, you were showing me the geometry of that site or the, the that uh that string rather and it's awful i mean and not awful i mean I, I, I'm sure the triax is very similar. Uh, the geometry of the bow, everything cool. looks looks very similar, and the bow shoots lights out. The triax. I've not shot the the halon, um, but you were showing me what it would take to build the cables for that, and uh, I, Jim and I were messaging back and forth today, and I was like, that the amount of serving alone that would go into building that creature right there, there is no way. There's no way. Well, I, I end up
2: I broke it all down a day. I did all the measurements and stuff. I finally got to it and I'm like, "Actually, I'm just going to build a whole set." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cuz the the little split the the yokes on these, they're 13 inches, and they have 5 well, in. kind of
1: break it down for like what what a normal uh, what what a string for that Bowtech was yeah, like versus a, your RX1 versus this monstrosity. So my Bowtech had
2: you know just you have two split bus cables. Because it's a double yoke system. So you got those two. And then the string. Well. The RX1. Now you have your string. Then you have your split bus. That goes down to a big loop. Then you have your little aluminum ferrule. And then another. Then your little short double loop. You know. Horseshoe hoop or whatever you want to call it. And then. Your single cable. So now you got that one added. And then you go to the Matthews, and they have the top hat system where you have two 13-inch uh, yokes. And then they go up to that little, like, it's a plastic or polymer, uh, I don't even know what you call it, a splitter, basically. So you go up and it's around it. It's very that. technical too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you go up around that and then the the cable comes down from the top and actually it goes through and loops around it so you have to like split this you have to leave that end loop open put it through wrap it and then that's where you get your twist that's where you're going to get your adjust as I was looking breaking it down today I can see it now it makes all it all makes sense to me now so now you just when you put your twist in to get your timing right, you just put all your twists in right here from the top and from the bottom on the single. So it's actually not as bad as I think you can get away with being a little off on your measurements on that system, unlike the the Hoyt where there you can't really put too many twists in that. In that split yoke.
1: Well and that folks is why when I try to explain John to people, like the guy is like the Rain Man of <laughs> archery, because like I look at that thing and I he told me like, yep, I have to make these two big loops and I have to do this and I have to do that and I'm like, there's nope, um, I would never, I would never attempt it. I wouldn't attempt m- much of this stuff, but it's just for you. It's like yeah, I looked at it and it makes a lot more sense now. Two days ago, he was like, "No, I'm not doing it. It's too hard."
2: Yeah, it, it's not not as bad as I originally thought. So, just a matter of I'll have I've I'm got my arm resting on Jim's string right now, so the string will be done, and I'll get that either uh, either set it aside for him, and then build the cable, you know, the whole system, and do it all at once. I'll just ha- I just have to message him. I'm sure he'll he'll yeah. he'll, he'll probably message me tomorrow. You know, he'll listen to this on Wednesday or whatever. <laughs> Be like, yeah, what well, what are you talking about? You didn't message me message me back. But no, I've been super busy. So I'll just get that whole thing. Like I said, I got the my all my measurements, the whole drawing, everything's right here. So, and what's nice about this is they're all the same size the same 24 strand I'm going to use 0.14 halo and it'll come out perfect where you know, on on my white house chain cutting strands you know end up doing 18 and then 20 and then 22 and trying to get all those
1: perfect but. so and just one more time for I mean you're, you're on probably a dozen strings or so at this point. No, we'll say a dozen finished, <laughs> perfect strings. Not right. not attempts, attempts, um, play around <laughs> with what looks to me, with the exception of the scale, probably fifty dollars worth of steel. If that, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so for someone who likes to tinker with stuff. How do they go about, I mean, it's the most intimidating thing in, I to me, I, it, is like seeing that bow, like it made me like want to vomit because it was like, I know, like today where I sit right here, we are literally, literally like 30 days from hopping in the truck and headed exactly 34 hours into the Elkwoods. Forget that the unknown is what, is what <laughs> right. I, you know. We don't know if there's elk there, John. We are headed out into right. oblivion. So, uh, to see your bow that you know, you've switched things up and done everything, tuned, timed everything, and just to see it in literally a heap, it makes me want to puke. <laughs> so, I would have to assume um, that you wouldn't you know recommend no taking your hunting bow apart and doing this for the for the first time but like let's say that someone wanted to was familiar with kind of like a presses taking their bow apart all that stuff and they wanted to make that jump
2: well for one what i most guys i know have some have an old bow laying around right i know i had couple of matthews or whatever uh backup bow you know kids bow something you can play around or go to the pawn shop you most I've, I've i went there with my old matthews and i couldn't even give them to him he's like you know and so he's got some in there that are just 50 bucks buy a bow use it for a carp shooting bow or something or take it apart take it apart like we listened to uh Greg's podcast.
1: Yeah. Well, we were listening. So we've been listening to a lot of the stuff from, um, Greg Litzinger, um, the Bo-hunting Bo-hunting fiend. fiend, and he's, uh, on a lot of different podcasts and he's a, a really great, uh, resource as far as being, uh, both uh, kind of like John on the bow tech side, but then he's also on the other side where he does the bed style hunting and he does it from a very, uh, all of his videos and the things that he's putting out is a very educational um, kind of like view. Like he's he's really trying to help you out and, you know, trying to put you on to information that's going to help you. So we've been listening to a lot of his stuff and he was talking about sitting in his living room, right?
2: Yeah, well, he, he had no bow and he just bought, and, <laughs> it was funny because we're talking about it. And you were like, yeah, he's like a bow master. I'm like, I open up the drawer, there's my old bow master. I'm like, yeah, I, I do one better than that. I got an even older one that had like a, it was like a turnbuckle style where it <laughs> <used> It's <to laughs> terrifying. I mean, it's, it is
1: one step above a ratchet strap.
2: Right. And I've used ratchet straps before too. I mean, in a pinch that work. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it for, you know, doing a string and all that. but But, so yeah, so- a bow press or one of them old bow masters th- they don't work on the new bows i even I mean they'll work on like my son's uh
1: we'll probably work on the the carbon express the carbon icons probably the elites it depends the thing is
2: though you have to use the split limb adapter and that's such short axle to axle it won't there's not a the cable won't get short enough to actually work
1: yeah but most of the elites and the carbon icon, the that infinite edge, they're they're solid limb, solid so, limb,
2: but you ha- still have to be able to get you have to that, be,
1: get it short enough, or
2: with that you have to get be able to get the that little uh, T into that uh, in between the cam s- in that slot. Yeah. So that's the problem where, and it's kind of kind of bulky, and so then there's that's this is what I'm talking about that there's only so many crimps on the cable to shorten it up so far, so like. It wouldn't work for my bow. My bow is, what, 32 inches axle-axle with the cable or with the splits. So, so, yeah, older bows, whatever, pulled apart. I mean, put it in the press, take it down, like he said, and just learn how to put it back together. Uh, another, uh, Greg Poole, you know, he, he uh, like in a couple of his videos, he talks about when people come to him and to learn he gives them one of his old target bows he's like tear it apart put it back together if you take some twists out of a string or, or something you know, learn how to get that back into tune and yeah it seems intimidating but w- when you break it down it's just it's a couple wheels and a couple strings i mean you do it a couple times I'm not so much the new stuff but you know, the old the old bows but I, I used to do that you know like so have you had a bow blow up in your face because I have well, it's I had, pretty intimidating <laughs> well I had your bow come, oh, yeah, off, yeah, come yeah. off track which was that was very unnerving for me because I I had just worked on it but I didn't the only thing I did was changed the modules which wasn't even in a no I didn't press. even put it in a press or anything. It was right here in my garage which I don't even have a press. So it was definitely there was something wrong with that cam system. There was either something bent or that cam track was I don't know, I don't even know. But all I know maybe maybe I torqued my hand a little bit or something. I don't honestly don't know, but and that, that sucker come unrailed and that was scary. So then when I, you know, rebuilt it, then I'm like, yeah, I'm putting this in the draw board so I can crank it back slow and I can watch each as, I mean, it took me quite a while to get it back. I got it back one crank at a time. Every click, I would check and make sure everything was in line. Click, 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 get it at full draw. Okay. I did that like two or three times, you know, two, two times slow. And then, I, then I just cranked it up. So I knew it was all in line. At that point, and then I did it by hand, and I was still, you know, like I haven't had my shield. on I put my <laughs> grinding shield on because I'm like, I don't want to get whipped in the face if this shit breaks.
0: But, yeah,
1: when when that the the cable broke and that reflex that I had, and like I, it was just one of those things where I knew like the strand, like the cables weren't they were they looked a little dry, like there was something off, like something was wrong. I drew it back, and I just heard. And I pulled it away from my body, and <laughs> that was it. 100 miles an hour, that cam's going, and that was it. It's still, you know, even, you know. well, I, but, the, but the reason that I ask is that, like, the, I think that that's, like, the fear, right? right? Is that, like, you know, you do it enough times, like, something's bound to go wrong. Right,
2: and that's, you know, especially, like, I could have easily got distracted that night when, you know, my wife's texting me saying, Hey, you need to get your ass home. I'm like, I'm right in the middle. I had the the bow is, I couldn't leave at that point. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I got to get it back together. So I could have easily got distracted and say, you know, you're putting the cam, this cam on, this cam on, then you're throwing the cable on the track. Then, well, when you start, messing with one side all of a sudden you don't realize it but all of a sudden the string might come off the the cam track on the on the left and you didn't realize it then you start letting it down well it stays in time and then as soon as you start pulling something back if you're not double checking now you're in trouble because then it's going to come off and then things are going to unwind and it's going to go to hell in a handbasket really quick so that's the one thing that i i try to do well i don't try i do every time if you see me look i always look and I think Greg Poole's one was like, count to seven or whatever. How many contact points you have on your on your cams, that's your number. So seven, count them. One, two, you check every spot where those cables, and then you can run your finger over the, the cam tracks and the, the string, you know, the cable guides, make sure everything's in line before you pull that back. Because at that point, when you
1: pull it back and something's wrong, too late yeah and i think one of the things i was getting at with with that is that like i said there's 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 more money right there in string material than there is in material that it took to build the the string jig um and there's no bow press in this garage well i mean there's a couple of bow masters (laughs) and there's some ratchet straps but you know with our bowman's club and and things like that you know there's there's got to be access out there for other guys to, like, get access to that. Or is is our Bo- Bowman's Club? You know, I don't know. I, I,
2: I Honestly, I can't answer that. I don't know what other. I haven't been to any other Bo- Bowman's Clubs, you know. But, I mean, by God, if you have a Bowman's Club.
1: But I guess if you had a bow hunting podcast, you'd think you'd have a goddamn <laughs> bow press. But, you know. <laughs> hey, <whatever. yeah. laughs>
2: we're working on it. I guarantee you there will be one here in the next month or so. Maybe even the next week. <laughs>
1: But, but, you know. but, but either way, that's the, that's the thing is like, it was, I've been thinking about like a lot of this, like where this podcast is going and how everything is like spiraled and shifted. I mean, like for, yes, it's, it's bow hunting and it's, it's following along with us, but man, it's taken a turn from like day one <laughs> to, to, to where we are today with, with uh, the whole thing with the elk and and, well, and everything, but it's, but it's, it's saying like, look, whatever you want to do, you can, you can do it. Just put, um, your, what Cameron Haynes, it's
2: all mental. I mean, you just put your mind to it and you can figure it out. I mean, that's how, you know, you, you talk about me about how figuring stuff, I'm like, you know what? If, if he can do it, I can do it. Like, I it just might take me a little longer to figure something out. But anyone can do this. I mean, really. I mean, there's enough resources, especially nowadays with YouTube and everything and all these podcasts.
1: There's so much information. You are not. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. But I think that that's one of the things is like I think, I think you know, when we talk to Trent and I listen to, um, I, honestly, I've been listening to like a lot of the whitetail stuff and the hunting beast style Anything that has to do with like that, because it's been impossible to um to learn how to bed hunt and learn how to elk hunt. Right. And so we've got so much wrapped up, and John and I were talking about this the other day. Is we've got so much invested in this this elk hunt, and and realistically, for me you know, I hope John does not get hurt, but (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's an adventure. Um, and it, it, it's going, it's going to be an experience that, um, I'm, that we, you know, I think are going to cherish like forever, like no matter the outcome. Um, but putting our best foot forward is all that we can do. And, you know, John, you were saying earlier about like, you owe it to the animal and all of that for, for the shooting and the, the everything else but like if we just went out into if we got a tag for wherever the hell the badlands are and just went out into the desert you know it would be a completely different experience of so putting in the time and the due diligence to to make sure that you know we're going to try and actually encounter some elk and, and do all that has kind of um you know put the put the whitetail stuff, uh, aside uh, just in a sense of the elk is a first it's a it's a month further uh for their head on our schedules and then it ends up being everything is kind of all thrown into this 10-day adventure so it's, it's it's what it is right um you know we've got hell 3 months of of whitetail hunting. So, you know, time to figure that out. But, but ultimately back where I was going with that is, you know, listening to that and the guys that are successful and with the podcast with Trent and, and talking about, it ends up being the, I'm going to stay here. You go over there and kill him. It's the confidence. And with, with your family, John, um, this one thing that I've taken away from Frank is it, now, if you go over to, to Frank's house, everything is in wood, but he's told me forever that you can make anything out of wood and you can do it. It doesn't matter if he can do it, you can do it. So that there's that, that whole different mindset of, they may be able to be, do it more efficiently, but there's no reason that you can't do it. I mean, hell, you know, you've got this education, you've got all of this ability. And I think that that's kind of like, it's that confidence thing to say like, yes, I can, I can do it. And again, like for all the twists and turns that, you know, we've, we've gone through with this podcast and the rabbit holes that it's, that it's edited up. Um, you know, that's been the whole point of the whole thing is like to follow along and, and to be able to say like, look, we're just two regular guys, but this is what you can do. Like, the, and maybe this is how that, that, that you can do it. Right. Right. And so no, no bow press, no. The the draw board he's talking about is a one-by-one square piece of uh, steel tube.
2: Steel tube. As uh, as, uh, (laughs) Walt would say, just stuff I had laying around my shop. But, (laughs) yeah, it's just some one-by-one square stock. stock. And then I went down to uh, Family Farm and Home or Tractor Supply, and it's a $15 boat winch or, you know, winch. Put a D-loop on it or a d-ring some then, rubber hose and a... well yeah then this is just a big you know I think it's a 7 8 inch bolt that I welded on there with some uh, rubber hose and put the nut on it and it's still just propped up against my workbench because I bring it back and forth but I'm going to I'm going to weld some legs on it to mount on my bench so but yeah so now it, it that it's actually got it hasn't even painted yet <laughs> the one mark on it is Adam's draw length mark so <laughs>
1: And I bet you when it's painted, it's going to be knock on green. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. If I had to guess. Well, I've trust me. I searched high
2: and low for a fluorescent green strap, but it only came in orange. So I was kind of pissed.
1: <laughs> so, but yeah. So, I think I think where we're at right now is a a good place to to stop. You know, we are talking about John's John's bow, and but I think it was really good um, to kind of put it out there. Of like how everything kind of goes and 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 progresses, and the fact that you know you don't need all of this fancy stuff; you just have to want to do it, so right. it, it it can be done.
2: And you know, yeah, I have the RX one, but it was just because John only has one.
1: Cameron Haynes shoots one.
2: No, that's not that's <laughs> not why, because I shot BoTech before. Comes in Ridge Reaper. It comes in Ridge Reaper. No. <laughs> That's not either. It was just the my draw length and uh, the draw cycle and the way, I mean, I was always a Matthews guy. And then, because of my draw length, and then uh, Botech came out with the, it was actually a CPXL, but then by the time I was going to buy that, that one was out and it was the Boss. So the Boss fit me great, but I didn't like the draw cycle. So I went and I uh, I knew the Hoyt XL was, long enough actually way long what you think was all the way up to 33 inches so and I drew that back and it was I told him like, that thing was like butter man It just so smooth and you know when you draw back your bow you know if you know what I'm saying when it's so smooth or it fit so good I'm like that's it this is the one for me and so then when I went and shot the RX-1, it's a little bit different draw cycle, but it's still, it just feels so good. So that's why I picked it. I didn't get to shoot all the bows like you did ATA. You know, I shot your little, the, your Bowtech and the Diamond. And like I said, I, I was out there shooting. I shot it, I don't know how many times that thing shoots great it's fun, it feels good, but it's just too short for me. Only I can only there's no way I can get it to fit me properly. So that's the drawback for me. And you know, I mean those still like your bow tech, that's you got a screaming deal on them, so they weren't like cheap. They're not a cheap bow by any means. So anyway, that was a whole nother rabbit hole I went down, but, but yeah. The we never finished that night, I didn't get to finish. I got it put back together. I uh, got a D-loop on it, shot it a couple times, but I didn't get my speed knocks on. I didn't get my peep sight uh, lined up. I still had to, so I was actually shooting it the next day in the yard with the peep all backwards because obviously I don't have a bow press to do it here in my garage. So, but I was shooting it just to get it settled in. Shoot, shoot. I probably shot it, you know, a couple dozen times. That I finally got a chance when I went over and met uh, Jim at the Bowman's Club to pick up his bow. I got there a little early, threw it in the press, got my peep turned in. I put on my speed knocks and been killing chipmunks.
1: <laughs> Eight confirmed kills. Whatever it takes to break in your new string, um, that's, that's yeah. what we're going for in the new limbs. And, you know, I just want to thank everybody for – for following along with us on this, this whole journey that we're taking, you know, getting messages from guys saying, Hey, what about this? You know, that are that are actually kind of taking stock and, and what we have to say. Um, there's a lot of guys out there that are doing the exact same thing that we are and just kind of working through this. And, you know, from the total archery challenge, we met so many good people that I, I feel like I interact with like almost daily that are trying to figure out, all of this sort of Western-style hunting. And for all the people that are into Western-style hunting that we've talked to, I can't say it enough is that there is not a nicer, greater group of people. Everybody wants to help. Like everybody literally just wants to help you out. And I think that that's – I don't know. I don't know if it's like the whole – part of the public land movement that everybody wants you know it to be there in the future and they want to promote all this um the you know the continued heritage of hunting and 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 everything like along that lines but i've not met one person that i've asked a question to as far as ask them about western hunting that said good luck or you know Where you whatever in the woods yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so I, I think that we like appreciate it from from the bottom of our hearts. Like, you know, we're we're just here sitting in the garage, rambling on about you know the things that we want to do and the things that we're doing, and that's kind of like where we started with this whole thing. So, twenty five episodes in, and we finally got John to do a whole podcast <laughs> just on his own. Um, you know, he is here. He he is, you know, participating on
2: my defense on a lot of them like when you you know you set up the our guests and stuff you already have a background on on them guys and and yeah I'm I'm the technical geek or whatever you know beau, when it comes to bows and stuff like that I can talk otherwise I'm kind of quiet I mean unless I get a couple beers in me I might you know cut loose a little bit but
1: <laughs> but but talking to people about this stuff it's very easy yeah so.
2: this stuff is super easy you know i on our born and raised one i might have been I, I listened to it and i seemed like man i, I was so excited but then I, i'm like would you take a downer or something i sounded quiet and you know but i just was listening to trent talk on that one because he had so much information for us and i've been listening to uh a ton of other podcasts right now. I know I'm rambling on, and we were going to cut it off, but oh, that's fine. But like Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson got a new one out called Elk Talk. Pretty sure that's one. Elk, yeah, yeah, Elk, elk Talk. Talk. I they only have like two episodes out, but great information there. You know, uh, the Rich Outdoors, his Wappity Wednesdays. I mean, every anything that has to do with elk, I've been trying to just soak it up. So, you know, that's I guess that's the other part of this podcast is we're trying to we. It's it's very chroni- self
1: it's very self serving. I mean, so we're the 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 chronicle portion. I think is is taking everyone along like with our journey, but at the same time, we're trying to get that information out right. to say that anybody can do it, and that's the one thing that I I'd, I'd never realized with podcasting is that like the community is so. Helpful. Everybody wants to help everybody out. And, you know, you say, like, I'm on a podcast, they're like, oh, come on. It's cool. Right. Let's do it. It's awesome. It's just, you know, there's,
2: you always have time to listen to stuff. I mean, they're, I mean, not always, but some people have more time than others. But if there's something that you, you know, that's the thing. Like, if you don't, if you don't know what to look for.
1: Well, here's the thing the whole, our whole message. For you as a listener is that there isn't anything that you can do as far as in, in, in our world, it just happens to be archery and, and bow hunting. And so we're, we're putting ourselves out there and saying like, look, these are the things that we're doing, follow along with us. And the response has been amazing. I really, really appreciate it. Um, on, on that note, I think, um, I'm, I'm just going to say like, so with our, with our archery hunt, we're going out there, um, to Idaho and we're going to do our best to do some podcasting. We're going to kind of be off grid a little bit, uh, getting, uh, one of the Garmin InReach reach systems is going to be able to track us. We're going to put that on our, uh, we're going to do our best to set that up with limited time, put that on our Patreon. So if you want to follow along and see exactly where we're at, um, it's going to have like turn by turn where we're at. It's not going to say what we're doing or, or anything like that, but you're going to be able to see at what point we're on. So if you want to follow along with us um, with everything that we're doing with that, check out our Patreon. We just started that up and you know, there's some people that have already donated, you know, I mean we're we're doing this out of our own pocket, just having fun and and it's exactly that. It is a ton of fun and we really enjoy doing this. Um but there are costs that are involved, so if 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 you like what we're doing, um check out our Patreon account. Um we just got some new shirts printed up. They're actually starting to show up here and there on social media and things like that. So, um, if, if you're interested in helping us out buy a shirt, um, <laughs> wear it proudly. Uh, we got some decals and things like that, but like I say, we're 25 episodes in and we got John to do an entire episode all by himself. And I think we've really accomplished something here. Um, so I think we're going to leave it right now <laughs> with, uh, with, with John. Um, uh, there's, so much information out there, and we really appreciate everybody that's that's listening. Um, please, you know, tell one of your friends about this. If you if you like what we're doing, and you're saying, you know, like, look, here's a couple of idiots that are just if you you don't like what we're doing, if you think that you know these guys, you, you got tell your friend, like, look, look, you got to listen to these guys because they're clowns. They don't know what they're doing at all. Um, please do that as well. But if you like what we're doing you know, wherever you're listening, um, please leave us a re- review and even if you don't, you know, tell us what we can do better. Uh, cause that's the only re- that's the only way that we're, uh, that we're going to improve. So but everyone seriously appreciate every single one of you. Uh, thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>
0: Podcast Network brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app.
2: Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 930 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.